Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan here with the Startup to Scale podcast and very excited for my conversation today where we're going to be talking about what data to have for buyer meetings and where to source it. So for this conversation, I've invited on Mark Santos, who is the VP of North America Sales for Emerging Brands with Nielsen IQ. Literally all day, he helps emerging brands work through data and get ready for um, buyer presentations and investor presentations, things to help grow their business. So he kind of knows the ins and outs for this topic. Mark, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Jordan. Yeah, I would I would take it a step further and say this isn't something I do all day. I've actually done this my entire career. I've been at Nielsen IQ for 18 years now, all in this exact same space. I I took on the role thinking that I would end up supporting Kraft or PNG at some point, but I just come to realize it it doesn't get me going. You know, like if I help them sell an extra pallet of mac and cheese, you know, that's not the same as if I help an emerging brand get on shelf at a new retailer. So this is my passion. This is all I do. I absolutely love that. And I'm happy that you're so like engrossed in it and have been doing it for so long that it means you actually uh, love it. So let's get into a couple of questions. Um, as I talk to emerging brands, a lot of founders are on two spectrums. One, they like love data, but they get lost in just like the minutia of how much there is there. And on mm-hmm. the other side, founders who don't want to touch it at all because they're not, they think they're not numbers people or they don't know how to access the right information. Um, so, you know, I, I hear brands talking about like, hey, I'm getting ready for a buyer pitch. Kind of what data do I need for retail buyers and how do I kind of present myself? How would mm-hmm. you kind of answer that question? Like, what do you find that brands and retailers are finding most useful from the data side? Yeah. So for anyone that's new to data or maybe it's, you know, your first handful of of buyer presentations, I feel like there's really just three things to focus on. You know, you got to keep it simple, right? So the first is how your um, product is doing relative to the category. You've got to know that, right? Um, You have to have an understanding of who your competitors are and not just anecdotally. Like I walked into a a retailer and I saw that I was next to ABC company and their price point was 50 cents more than mine or lower, whatever it is like to actually see the volume that they're doing and get a sense of how much they might be promoting um, in order to have that product move. Right. So that's really key to know um, the category landscape before you talk to that buyer. And it's really easy to do using data. Um, We have access to every retailer in the United States in order to show you what that category looks like for where your products are at so that you can have a more informed meeting with the buyer. The second thing that I think is really important is to understand your product's velocity. You know, how fast is it moving on shelf? Will you have the ability to avoid out of stocks at that retailer? Cause that is huge. Uh, that's really important to them. And then the third thing is really, what is like your unique story? You know, um, I, I like to think of it as almost like the shark tank pitch that you've probably, these, um, these companies have probably given to um, their investors already. Well, you need to bring a version of that to the, the buyer because it's like the average consumer has less than seven seconds to make a decision at shelf. And so you need to be able to narrate that with them in order to give you an opportunity to get on shelf so that that buyer can make the decision to purchase your product. 
So when folks are getting started out, I say those are the three things that are, are really key to stick to. Get those three things nailed and you're more than halfway there. I remember when I first started, um, it was really key to, to my learning. So I, I, for those listeners who know, I ran brand T-squares for six years um, and really thought that like, hey, I just pitched my product and if the buyer likes it, they'll put me on a shelf or if they don't think it will work well, maybe they won't. Um, but a big understanding became like, when you go into the grocery store, every store shelf is full. They're not empty shelves unless something's out of stock. So in order for your product to get on the shelf, the buyers that remove someone else. <laughs> and that means yep. like that, not just can, does your product have to do well, but it has to be better than the thing that is replacing. And you have to be able to, to show that and make a good case for it. Exactly. And, you know, it's been my experience over these years that, you know, the majority of buyers you're talking to, they know who the dogs are on their shelf. And they're probably, they, if they're doing their job right, they're actively looking for a replacement. But there are blind spots with particular buyers at certain retailers that might not be using data to the same extent that even an emerging brand is. So to highlight that to them and make suggestions is also welcome. You shouldn't, I don't think that our our um, emerging brand should shy away from identifying um, someone that should come off. Now, here's a tricky line of thread. When you're looking at data from Nielsen IQ or others, and you're looking at the, how, the re, how a product's performing at a retailer, like a competitive product, how much can you, do you want to tell that retailer like, hey, product X, Y, and Z isn't performing well versus them having a different perspective and be like, hey, according to our data, it is. And like, it's kind of coming off confrontational. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously I would avoid the confrontation. Um, the, the good news is if you're speaking their language, if you're using the same data that they are, and at this point, just over 70% of retailers in the United States are using Nielsen's data. So you should already be speaking the same language with them from a, a hierarchy perspective for the category you're looking at. Um, and it doesn't need to be confrontational. It needs to be informational. So this is what I'm seeing in the numbers that this particular brand um, is declining in volume by X percent during whatever the time frame is that helps you make your story, right? So it could be over the last 52 weeks, maybe it's the last 13, or heck, maybe it's even over the last four. And the buyer that you're sitting across the table from might not have gotten into that level of detail yet to know with the last four weeks that they have declined by double digits and that it's possible that a change should be made. So um, I would I would go into these conversations assuming that they don't know and you're just the helpful um, uh, brand that's trying to help them be better, right? Because that's all that retailers are looking for at the end of the day is like a good partner that's going to help them grow the category and identify opportunities um, for them to improve. No, I think that's key. And especially that whole idea of like building a partnership with the retailer, because most founders, especially early on, don't really understand what a buyer does and what their priorities are. And so they also don't understand like how to effectively pitch them or have conversations with them because they don't understand the, the their priorities. Do you have a sense of like what buyers are prioritizing, like what's going to really resonate with them? Yeah. So that's, that's a great, great question you just brought up. Cause I, I was having dinner with the VP of merchandising at Whole Foods on Wednesday night. And she, the number one thing that she said, she said, I'm absolutely amazed, Mark, that these companies that actually get a meeting with me, because as you can imagine at Whole Foods, they're receiving hundreds of companies per month that are trying to get a meeting. She said, I don't understand why these companies that can get a meeting don't do just a little bit of homework to see what we're all about. And so um, every retailer is going to be different, right? The, the way that you want to pitch your product at Whole Foods is going to be completely different 
art, for example. And um, I just for grins, I went and took a look um, after that meeting at Whole Foods to see how on their Whole Foods website to see how easy it is to get at. And literally, if you went to WholeFoods.com and scroll down to the bottom, it says, here's information for potential suppliers. And you go on there and then there's all these links about their culture. Um, uh, uh, the one that really stuck out to me, there's 230 ingredients that are completely banned from Whole Foods, for example. And so I can't imagine like walking into Whole Foods and having a product that had one of those 230 and just, you know, kicking yourself in the pants for not having done a little bit of homework, right? So conversely, I actually went to see if Walmart offered the same and sure enough, they do. And if you want to do business with Walmart, they've got a website um, that will direct you how to get that started, right? So I would say this, no matter what the retailer is, do your homework, go take a look at their website. The vast majority of them are going to have some sort of link um, that's for you as suppliers in order to get a, a sense of what they're all about and what matters to them. And then, you know, your unique story that you need to bring to the table, make sure you include elements of what they've already told you is important to them. That's so key because that's one of the most yeah, not just embarrassing, but um, a biggest setback. If you go to a meeting and the re and the buyer's like, you don't understand our business or our store at all, or what makes us different. And you know, you know this well. Like every retailer can be so different in terms of what they prioritize that if you kind of group them all in one bucket, then you're going to just have huge misses. Huge misses. That was. I mean, we must have talked about that for 15 minutes. And <laughs> you know, with some of the stories I heard about. Um, this company that had been working to get in for the better part of a year finally met um, her standards. So she allowed them to have a meeting and they didn't even make it five minutes because they hadn't done their, their whole foods homework. You know, they were giving the same standard pitch that they had given to every other buyer for the last year. So yeah. Yeah. If we can be better, we'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> you have a sense from some of those conversations, um, what various retailers prioritize. I know I was having a conversation with someone about Publix and actually the buyers at Publix are very like data focused, like for their stores. And they're like looking at, um, at like POS data, like weekly for products to tell like how it's doing. Um, do you yep. kind of have a sense of, um, kind of what various stores are doing or even like categories of how stores are, are looking at some of that information? Yeah, I, I'm going to generalize here, but I don't want you to yep. think that this is the rule. But basically, the bigger the retailer, the more data they're using, and then the more people they have analyzing it in order to then give it to buyers or merchants that are making the decisions about who goes on shelf. So one, one exception might be a retailer like Good Food, Hold, Good Food Holdings out west. You know, they've only got about 50 stores, but they are very data savvy, and for them, their buying decision to put you on shelf is, is reliant more so on the data than it is like the flavor price, your distribution abilities, um, so that you don't have out of stocks. So they're very much into data, but, but a vast generalization is that the bigger the retailer, the more important it is to them. And the, the key differentiator that I want all these emerging brands to know is that there are hundreds of companies out there, just like yourself, that are trying to get on shelf and trying to get that attention of the buyer. So how do you set yourself apart? You know, you have a product, you have a price, and you might have the best supply chain in the world, but what is it that's like that hook? You know, do you have some uniqueness to your product? Is it an ingredient that is um, on trend in our marketplace today? Um, what is it? You know, you've got to get that figured out um, in order to set yourself apart so you get the meeting. No, I think that's key as well, because a lot of founders, 
either just have like a brand story that they talk about and they never talk about like any performance in, in mm -hmm. store <laughs> or they're kind of on the other end where it's all data and the buyer's kind of laughing like, well, who are you? Like, what are you going to bring to, to our customers that's unique besides just the, the raw numbers? And so what are some of the ways that you've seen founders or that you help founders to weave the story in and the data together so that they're telling a really compelling story? So the best way, I mean, obviously I'm a data guy, so I like to use the information that I have available because it, it doesn't lie, right? Facts are facts. We can certainly twist it to help turn a better story by like, for example, if your performance is better over 13 weeks than 26 weeks, then we can use the 13 week data in order to, to paint a picture. But um, I relate it all back to the, to the buyer that I would be in front of, right? Like the data that I've got. And so I would ensure that Actually, the one thing that I think is key that came out of my conversation Wednesday night too is that there, she says that over half of the companies that she see, that's, that she sees come through the door, they think that they are the only, they don't have a competitor, that they're the only player in town. And over the course of my 18 years in this industry, I think I've seen two or three that didn't have a true competitor. They really were like new entrants to a category, like five hour energy, for example, when they came out with those little shots, they didn't, they didn't have a competition other than say caffeinated beverages, but they weren't sharing the same shelf, shelf space. So unique, right? But a lot of folks, um, you would be making a mistake, I think, to go into and talk to a buyer and talk about the, that you're the only one um, in that category and you need to start a new category because I can guarantee you there's going to be some sort of adjacency somewhere in that store that a consumer is going to have to make a decision to purchase your product or that product to fulfill the need. So, um, and the buyer is going to think, right? Like, you only know your business. Like, I had five conversations with people pitching me in a similar thing just in the last month, and you don't even know them. That's <laughs> exactly right. That negative. That's thing. exactly right. You know, when I, um, my brand T Squares, we were a tea infused energy snack, which mm -hmm. is how our positioning first was, which I can, in hindsight, say was awful because mm -hmm. I never went into the store myself looking for a tea infused energy snack. And I'm pretty sure no one ever has. Um, mm -hmm. And we pitched to Whole Foods, we got in and part, you know, we were super early. So we were talking with the buyers to say like, hey, where should we put our product? It wasn't, it was a multi-serve pack. So we didn't really want to go well in the energy bar set. And they pushed us away because they said like energy bars are um, very habitual. And so it's hard for new products to get kind of picked up there. And you're not really like a granola. Your price point is like way more expensive per ounce. And we ended up like in the raw food set next to like kale chips when many of those were still on shelf. And no one would ever search that category for our product. And so while there was no other kind of direct competitor, it also meant that we had no place on the store for a consumer to, um, to decide about uh, against. And so having actually some competition or some comparable product is beneficial because consumers might come in looking for your category and mm -hmm. then they can understand your differentiator. But for us, we completely failed on that because we weren't even in that consideration set because they weren't going down that aisle. If someone's looking at kale chips or that energy bite that was made out of um, granola-like ingredients, right? There's like a completely different purchase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I had a very similar conversation with a uh, bubble milk tea that was saying the same thing. You know, it's so popular at restaurant locations, but he was the first entrant into grocery and he welcomed the competition for that very same reason that is helpful, actually. 
because he knew his product was superior. Yeah, and it's good to, if you were able to, to build a set where instead of just being the one bubble tea or one of five, then at least you have a destination in the store where consumers are looking at. I love that. Exactly. Yep. Um, so what are some of the best ways to, for brands to source data? Come to Nielsen IQ. <laughs> That's the easiest way. Um, we, do, we do make it quite easy, actually. And the other thing that I would want to make sure that everybody that's watching this understands is that I am, I'm in a position at this company that only does one thing, and that is help emerging brands get data, period. And we do it very affordably. We are extremely flexible to the extent that we, I have an opportunity to provide free data to emerging brands. I have an opportunity to sell it by the slice. If you just need to know what's going on at Whole Foods for that meeting that you finally got into, we can, we can sell you that for just the category. We can help you understand how to use it too, of course, all the way up onto like a full subscription, like the bigger brands that are on shelf all, all have. But the differentiator is we do it at a price that's affordable. And um, it, within the last 12 months, we have changed our pricing strategy to a tiered strategy. So in that meaning, if you are not on shelf or you are new to shelf and you're sales are low, we are going to sell that information to you at a loss, actually, in order to help you um, grow faster. That's our new strategy is to try and help brands grow faster. And I think a lot of people might hear of Nielsen and think of a kind of much larger entity as well. Um, I think that some of those reports were priced out. But as you mentioned, and even through our Food Bevy partnership, all the, every, anyone listening can get access to three free reports through the Nielsen IQ uh, platform. So definitely take advantage of that. And even more so, don't dive in on your own. Reach out to Mark and his team so that you can say, hey, this is the question that I have. Help me find the information the best way possible and help me kind of build a story around it so you're not getting lost and, and frustrated because sometimes like data, you make it easy to do your reports, but sometimes data can be overwhelming. So leverage um, Mark and his team to be able to do that. Yeah, please do. I, I would say that along those lines, Jordan, there's there's three different ways um, to, to be educated in this space. And the, the new Biser platform has self-training already built into it. So I recognize that there's um, two different types of um, clients that I'm pursuing. There's those that are well-versed in this industry. They might've worked at a craft and PNG and now are um, have a, a significant leadership role at a smaller company. So they know what's possible. They just don't think they can afford it. And so in that case, there's myself and my team. Um, you can ping us through that system, you know, and you'll get a response within 30 seconds. And of course we can set meetings like anybody else. Um, but then there are the other consumer or the other consumers of our data that just really aren't aware of what's possible. Like they might not have known that, you know, we're collecting data from 98% of the grocery stores in the United States to help you understand what that category looks like nationally. And we can drill it all the way down to single store locations, right? So within that platform, there's a lot of self-help because we do get a lot of people that are afraid to say, I don't know what I don't know. And so there's a lot of like very basic data 101 type of things in there to help um, get that knowledge up faster. And of course, it's self-paced, right? So, you know, a lot of the businesses that we work with don't have an analytics person. They don't they certainly don't have a team, right? So you could be worrying about, you know, the packaging line going down and then still trying to figure out how the heck you're going to get your product on a new shelf next month or in the next quarter. And so we have a lot of different flexible ways in order to make that possible for you. 
Along with that, as brands are thinking about pulling data, how often do you recommend they actually update information in their, their reports or their pitches? So when it comes to their pitches, I am always, I feel very strongly that if you are going to go to talk to Whole Foods or Walmart or whoever it may be, you really do need to see what that category of data looks like before you go creating your unique story, right? To try and help craft it in a way that presents yourself in the best light and why you're going to help them grow that category. And the data will bear out some of those things, meaning it could be your price point or um, your ability to promote more or less relative to your competitors and see how that increases volume. And the data will tell you all that. And, and you don't have to be an expert in the data either. You know, it, for years, for 16, 17 years now, I've been selling Excel spreadsheets and then we would try and set up time with our clients to consult them on how to get the most out of it. But now Invisor does it all for you. You can um, have alerts that get set up and say, um, your competitor just lowered their price by 10%. And that's going to, and it'll tell you how it's going to impact your volume. And so that alert can just come to your email as a two sentence thing that this is what's going on. And then once you pop in there, it will tell you how to fix it. The report will literally tell you, this is where your blind spot is. And this is how you fix it. So it, it's getting a whole heck of a lot easier in order to afford it and use it, considering all the different hats that our emerging brand owners and in um, context use. I love that. I'm also curious, just in some of the other things like beyond sales that we've been seeing. So like a lot of brands have been um, told to like update their pricing in the last couple of years as inflation has risen, their ingredient costs have gone up. I'm kind of curious on what you've seen from just like brands raising their pricing and even just like thoughts on like how the market might shift going into the next year or two with, you know, this, this cloud of recession kind of hanging over us. Yeah. So I, we saw a lot of premiumization throughout COVID, right? Folks had more money in their wallet to spend, to try products that they might've been priced out of before. And we are anticipating that to revert because of the recession, the inflation, right? the discretionary dollar isn't going to go as far anymore. So we don't have the crystal ball to prove it out yet, but that's what the expectation has been so far. And so that's another reason that you, as, a, as an owner, someone that's very interested in the CBG space, is to try and keep a pulse on month to month what that pricing might look like for your category. Um, you can look at it nationally, regionally, you know, down to the city. But like I keep mentioning, I think it's really important. And the most, the most return on your investment you're going to get is seeing what's going on in that specific retailer that you're already on shelf at. So in these types of times um, where, you know, interest rates hikes are, are, are happening a heck of a lot uh, more frequently, and, and that makes the dollar go even uh, less far that much quicker, it needs to be more frequent. Um, and and one, one thing I've got to put out there, Jordan, too, is that that might seem like that's an expensive endeavor, right? That's if a, if a report at Whole Foods costs $1,000, $1,000, and I have to do this over and over and over again to keep up to make sure that my prices are um, in line with the category of my competitors. With Visor, we have changed that entire proposition. So you have access to all of the retailers that are not prior approval. And you have the ability to go in there and pull what you want when you want for that same monthly price. You don't have to pay a thousand, a thousand, a thousand, a thousand just to try and keep your product protected on shelf at that retailer that you're on. So um, we, we have absolutely changed the game in this industry in order to make it 
easier to acquire on price, easier to use. And um, we just want to see everybody grow faster, period. Are you able to tease out from the data um, how other competitors may have raised their prices and then how their sales were affected afterward? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, it's a report. It's a it's a pre-programmed report that um, you can click into. Um, you choose the competitor that you want to isolate. You choose the time frame. You hit run. And a minute later, you will see that when the price went up or the price went down, that that increased the volume up or down. It's very easy to use and easy to see. And you can have <laughs> alerts set up for it too, actually. You can set <laughs> alerts for specific brands that you're like, I know that this guy's coming for me. And then the alert will um, show up in whatever frequency you want in your email box. So you don't even have to go pull it. See, that's the kind of thing that I love, right? It was like, as a founder, there's all these questions that I see people having. They're like, oh, how am I ever going to figure out like, how much should I raise my price? Do I do like a dollar or six net? Just like the little questions, but there's so much data out there. You can look at either other people in your category, um, similar categories to understand like, okay, what's actually going to, um, how have others performed so you can educate yourself. Yeah. Mark, thanks so much for being on. This is a great conversation. I do want to remind all of our listeners that if you are looking for access to data and want those reports, you can get three free reports through our partnership with Nielsen IQ Advisor. I'll include the link in the show notes um, so you can take advantage of that. And as Mark has mentioned a ton of times, their team is very open to um, helping you get answer the questions that you have through data so that you can be successful. Mark, thanks so much for being on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.